1: Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. My name is Daniel Caught and I'm delighted to be joined on another pod by Record Sports Craig Swan and Graham Young. Guys, how are you? Good Daniel, how are you? I'm all good, thanks. I'm all good. This is my, my favourite time of the week, talking all things Celtic, so I couldn't be better. Graham, yourself?
0: Yeah, very well, mate. Glad to be on need to talk about at least
1: There is indeed. And I think the best place for us to start, we're obviously recording on Thursday. Uh, is it Fir Park, Motherwell, um, Celtic? Obviously, a bit of a narrow win, but the gap stays at seven points, and
2: you know, can't really ask for much more than that. I think it was one of those nights, Daniel, that you mark down at the end of the season as as, as a functional evening and crucial to. Uh, if any team wins a league, that's one of the nights where it tend to it tends to be done, and uh, mm-hmm. the football didn't flow. Uh, the first person I know that he knows, it was Ange Postecoglou after the game. He called that grind. Um, I think that was fair enough. I think anybody I was there. I think anybody that watched it would would no Celtic so didn't have the free flowing best, but they just have an ability to, regardless of how they're playing, find a way as they say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously there was a couple of um contentious points came throughout the game surrounding VAR. Um, what did you mean? I mean, obviously, I mean. To start with, the Jota goal. I mean, it's just onside.
0: I think I think. the issue to me is the, is, the, is the VAR camera angle on the left side of the halfway line. I understand that. Now, that is an issue where there's less um, cameras at non-Sky games for VAR. Uh, and I can understand that issue because when you look at it from the far away, the drone visits from the pie stand. It's so far away that... You don't give fans if there's got to be an offside call, it needs to be definitive. And that is what's interpretation. The closer up that BBC used in the case footage appears to show jot at least edging forward. So it's it's pretty close. I think that's the argument there. Much like the Tierney one, um, well, it's a an arm and a foot kind of in line. So I think that's been the issue or is the issue there. I think the Stansfield won potentially uh, tackle. I can understand. I can understand that completely. Um, to me, that fits the criteria of a potential red card, and those, especially when you look at one that's been recently. St Johnson last night, I think arguably it's more of like a football move The St Johnson one where well, that's just a record challenge. But I think the, the the overriding feeling for me amongst winners is when you're getting a definitive, the whole point of video replay, they offer absolute certainty. And I think when you're getting a camera angle on the wrong side of the pitch, um, I think that's hard for supporters to stomach at times, and I think that's um, something that's got to keep going unless an extra commitment's made for more cameras at uh, non-sky games just gives punters more um, uh, more angles. Maybe that would open up a bigger debate, but I think that's the kind of overriding issue uh, coming away from last night with the draw incident, or the draw at non-goal. I
2: tend to agree with that, Graham. I have to say that, unfortunately, due to finance, whatever the reasons... We are starting off with VAR uh, with a Fisher Price model. Um, we don't have the full kit and caboodle. And it's there for clearing obvious mistakes and clearing obvious things to be overturned. I'm not sure any of them were clear ob- totally clear and obvious. I get the arguments for the Starfelt Challenge, I get the arguments for the offside, but I don't think any of them were clear and obvious. Um, I'm, on Starfelt Challenge, I was at the game. It's one of them, you, you, you start to see replays and it looks like, I was at the game, I didn't see Celtic players going crazy. It was a bad tackle. It was one of them where you hear, ooh, the crowd go. And at the time, you're looking for Celtic players to go crazy if if that's really, really bad. And they kind of didn't. You see, well, I call them that yellow card and they kind of go on. I, mean, I know that's the Celtic players way. I'm not saying that's right wrong. I'm not saying it shouldn't have been a red card. Just my point is, sometimes we, when you see things more and more, the more you look at them, the worse they look. At the time... It looked like a yellow and a half to um, me. As regards to the offside, as Graham says, it's clear. And ov- it has to be clear and obvious. Um, you would hope that. You would hope that when we got the technology introduced, that it would have been, you know, pristine, re- you know, the real, the real deal, taking all doubt out of the way, like the English one does, where it's some millimeters. But we just don't have it, unfortunately, which comes back to that you bring in something half baked. You know, do, do, you bring, do you wait until you've got the full package? If you don't have the full package, don't bring it at all. Because the idea was it was supposed to stop arguments. To be honest, it's caused even more.
1: That's what I was going to say. It's almost more um, frustrating, you know, when you see the, the kind of wrong decision, even if it's not clear and obvious, when we've got
2: the, the, the cameras now, you know? I don't yeah. because, to be fair, Chris Sutton said this in his record call, and he said that, guys, when VAR comes in, it's only going to cause more arguments. It's just going to cause more arguments and more people finger pointing. And that is already starting to happen. I mean, there has been some. I mean, it, it, his point was, and he's bang on as, as sort of usually is, it's one man's interpretation. So so at the end of the day, one man's interpretation of a handball rule. I mean, we've seen some weird ones in the Celtic game so far. Mm-hmm. One that you think, well, fair enough, that's not a handball because it wasn't his fault and there was, there's nothing he could do about it. And then you see one like happened at Castle, and then you see one what, against Burnley for the United, the United, and he doesn't know what's happening with that one. It just comes down to interpretation. And while we've got interpretation with anything, there's going to be arguments.
1: Yeah, there was one at Ibrox last night as well with, um, I think it was Ben Davies. And it just looks like a stick-on penalty. His hand's up at his head. Um, and with
0: the Davis one, maybe not the Celtic podcast—the right place to plead. There's an angle. <laughs>
1: True, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, I, mean, I think there's an argument
0: that maybe Davis hits his face, and it wasps off his hand. Then again, you're, that's we're, we're, handballs become pretty open and shut in terms of recent weeks since the Michael Smith incident. So again, it's funny yeah. uh, echoes what Chris Sutton said as well—that we are where we are, and if it's not the the absolute forensic. Val that you get Maybe in the Champions League And that's going up A level with the, um Automated offside as well So I think we're, I think we really are The poor relation at present um, And there's these people that's this is going to be A weekly occurrence it's been, it's been a weekly occurrence already But after the World Cup It's going to only ramp up As well as the season moves on the line Can I just say two, th- two
2: things on this One I hope that the Listen There was always going to be Teething problems I know it's a phrase It's been used a lot But you would hope that the World Cup break will give everybody a chance to sit down. And I actually thought, as much as I'll probably get harangued for this, thought it worked quite well with Willie Colm last night. Whether you thought the decisions were right or wrong, it was done a lot faster last night. There wasn't that last Saturday in the Dundee game was delays and then the referees running over to the screen and it's taking forever. I felt last night it was done a bit quicker, whether you thought it was right or wrong, which can only be encouraging. My biggest bugbear in the full thing is, we're always trying to, and I know we want correct decisions. That's what we want. We've always wanted that. My biggest problem is, I feel like the people, the guys and girls who shell out their cash week in, week out, are getting changed again. I was at the game last night working at the drafts. I was fortunate. I was at the people have paid 30 35 quid for a ticket. They're the last people to know what's good. It's not on screens. They'll probably get people texting them from the house watching them. Oh, I've seen it. so the guys who pay paid again at the football are the last people to know. They do If the game gets stopped, they don't know what it's going to look for. They don't know what's been checked. They don't know what. That frustrates me. I've often felt that the paying customer is always last in line, even when it comes to, you know, if you, if you don't bother going to a game, you watch it on Sky, you get to hear the manager speak 10 minutes before kickoff. I know I'm off on a tangent here, by the way, but if you listen to the radio, you get to hear both managers half an hour before. What the people who get to the games, get okay, I think you don't get to hear you know, that. Uh, I don't know, and I just don't like the way people inside stadiums at all. they're always last, but I know that's the I know you can't help that with VAR uh, and everybody need big jumbotrons to show every single decision. But it's just something that annoys me people sitting about grounds over the last two or three weeks, games have been out looking at each other and they don't know what's going on. That's not right, right? Nah, that's a fair point. Uh, just
1: before we move on from the Motherwell game, guys. I wanted to um, bring up some of Ange's comments post-match, particularly on Dyson Maeder, because um, I I feel like he's become I don't know if a whipping boy is the right expression, but he's definitely taken a bit of stick from Celtic fans. I thought it was really good to see him get what turned out to be the eventual winner last night. And after the game, Ange described him as immense. And I think his work rate kind of goes unnoticed a wee bit at times. Uh, and I, I definitely agree with that. I think the problem with that was the,
0: the kind of signature misses in the Champions League and um, that he is he brings what he brings and the reason why he's in the Japan squad has been outlined. He's the, the great press and the great track and back, but he is effective as well. I, I felt even in the second the home game off the bench, he was he was really good. Hearts, the same. Um, he's not going to beat I think the, I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times. It's because he's so quick in the press you assume he's going to be able to just knock it past the player, but his speed doesn't quite work like that, so there's maybe a frustration there, but he's, he's work rate, application, top-notch, and that that one last night, those are the type of... I know, he, I know he doesn't always score, but the way Celtic play, whether it be a Riley or Turnbull playing those rating passes to midfield, he's such a threat. Um, that's the kind of textbook made a goal last night as well, and you can obviously see what he brings us. Celtic... I get another thing I mentioned before, but you do see they have got a Manchester City element to them in the sense that it's not always the same players. You know what Man City are like? Suddenly, Nares is back in form and someone else is on their tier. Celtic have got the type of players that are like that. they could maybe score five and six games, goes quiet, Maeda comes back strong. That's the real strength of what Celtic are about with Joao Axabanovic. And uh, Maeda, obviously, I know he had a really tough run in the Champions League. The Madrid miss, Shaq and I think he won against Leipzig as well. but I just think he's seen games like this, as Bonnie alluded to, it was a bit of a grind, as Ange says. You just get this real good work ethic, brings a bit of pace off the bench, and he can score a goal with like that. I think he's a really decent, as we know at this point, he's, I think Kyogo brings a, a flair element a flare element up front, and obviously with the Japan emission him, uh, some maybe would have Kyogo in the squad night, but you can see the value he brings, especially at international level. And Celtic obviously in Europe. I think um finally as well, Celtic were in the Europa League drop down. Um again you'd see like just the value of that can kind of place, against a team that isn't able to break lines away with red like A guy like my is invaluable, big games against maybe I I'd imagine he's a stick on starter as well. So I'm actually quite a quite a fan. I think he's a really uh, decent option, while there's not always the kind of end product in every match.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and Swanny uh, Graham mentions the the Japan World Cup squad. There, I, I I'm not a, a Japanese football expert, but to leave Kaiogo and Hatati out, man must have some team.
2: I think Jan's Costa Cogler probably summed it up the best. I'll I'll give you a good example. Um, you would if you had been dropped down from the moon and you'd been told Greg Taylor had only had X amount of caps, you would go, "Why? He only had that many caps." but you know why? Because of the competition that he's got at left back mm-hmm. and Andy Robertson and Keenan Tierney. And Ange Postecoglou said that a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about Hitata and when he was talking about international football in general. He said that it's not just the individual themselves. It might be what fits the squad, how many players they have in that certain position. It's more than just the player himself. Now, what I will say is I would probably put that more from everything I can gather. I'm like you boys. I'm I would be an expert on the every member of the Japanese squad and, and the French players and who could be in. I think Kadati had a, had a far tougher uh, job and the fact he hasn't really played much for the senior team. The, the, the vibe that seems to come from Japan is the Kyogo one, the guys that are getting picked ahead of him don't really have a mighty track record and, uh, and, and in some cases one that's been called up almost seems a bit of an office. So again, that one would seem maybe more Range maybe Hitati because they appear they have to have a kind of settled midfield for what I can gather. But I think it comes back to what Ange Postacoglu says and in, in, in the, in the example of Greg Taylor. It, it can just be who you've got. I mean, if, if you have a backup striker for Sweden behind Flatari Bohemovich, how many caps would you have? <laughs> That's true. That's a
1: good point. Um, and I think it's obviously it's worth saying as well, Graham, that another talking point from this week has been around international football and Steve Clark. And the Celtic players not being released for the, the friendly against Turkey. Um, do you, do you think Celtic are in the right to keep the players for the, the Sydney Super Cup? Uh
0: yes, because and I think the, the reasons outlined, right, I think But that disappointment, fair enough. And I, I thought he made a couple of, he doubled down a couple of times saying, Listen, I'm not going to fight anyone. He's obviously disappointed. Uh, in this occasion in a non sanctioned international week, did what they should do as a club out with the top five leagues, planned ahead, um, cashed in and away in the fact that they've got a revered Australian manager, so they head down under, obviously originally maybe to play Rangers in the Sydney Super Cup. It's long-term planning, uh, you understand exactly why they're, they're wanting the best players over there, uh, for potential future visits as well. You don't want to go over there with a skeleton squad and it doesn't work. And, that you, I get, I do get all points of view on it, but I can understand exactly why Celtic are taking the stands. And I think uh, Poster Calliou was genuinely sympathetic to Steve Clark. He's a previous international manager himself. Uh, but a, a, a late fixture, arranged with Turkey. I know it's a gap in the World Cups on, and but I think in this occasion, I can see why Clark feels the way he does. But I can definitely see why Celtic are doing what they need to do. Um, to me, it makes sense from their point of view.
2: I gave you the only. I think I don't. I don't think any of them are in the wrong. I think both of them are right to think, feel, the way they do. It. And they've both said the right things. And they've both, they've both been good about it. And I think it's been it, it's been very good. Um, the only people, The only people. I know they're an easy kick. FIFA and UEFA are always an easy kick. But FIFA have to be the only organisation in the world that could stop club football across the board for five weeks for an international tournament, yet not decree a part of it an international window. <laughs> That's a good point. That's quite remarkable. It does, it does, it does mark of uh, them. To be fair, we're only interested in the World Cup teams, not countries. And the rest of you can go sing. If you're not part of our big party, we're not really ball. That's a bad thing. That's a bad vibe.
1: Yeah. Um. And we've obviously Celtic have got one more game before they head off down under, in Ross County on Saturday. Um. You'd imagine obviously Celtic would be favourites to win that, but. Swanee, the Sydney Cup itself I mean, I'm just certainly taking it very very seriously. I
2: think he would do. I think um I think it's generally now accepted that Ange Postacoglier would be seen as the best coach that Australia has ever produced. Um and he's what he's doing over here at Celtic and in Europe and being in the Champions League being noted. You're Ange Postacogna, you don't want to take your Splitting team back home to your homeland to get done by Sydney FC, they, eh? with the greatest respect, you want them to go and put on a show. So I'm pretty sure he is taking it very seriously. They want some of your good results and perform well. There's a lot of Celtic supporters down in Australia as well, but they're paying out good money to come and see the game. You want to put on a show for them as well.
1: I know, I know, Graham, it's kind of a, a lot of diehard fans over yeah. here, kind of rally against these sort of you know, big money, friendlies, you know, f- for, for no, you know, kind of pointless games. But I'm actually really looking forward to it. I think it'll be a really kind of cool occasion and, you know, fun to watch. We're
0: definitely, to be fair to Celtic as well, we're definitely on the front foot with that. Like The window they've chosen for this is, a lot of teams have got training camps that come after Celtic, I think go to Portugal in December, I think maybe a friendly 10th of December as well. But this is very much its own thing. Players, they, they know that, Obviously, the in international that came like the decision, but as Swanee touched on, punters want to see this. This is serious for Ange. like he is. It's not there's, there's benefits for Celtic as well. Like it's not European football, but it's camp, it's training, what you put in big crowds in the, sta- the stadium. Actually, like, just a note this Allianz Stadium they're playing Sydney and it's one of these funky, funky stadiums. They just, just built, looks really cool, pretty compact, there'll really big crowds. Um, it's got all the makings of what it's got more than just a typical summer tour. I made this point um, in an article recently that these friendlies that are coming up. It's very much a case of um, normally you're used to all the new signings. It's not the case. pre-season by nature, you're probably to be like eight new players all bedding in. But this is Celtic's first team going away to show who they are on the back of a first Champions League came in five, uh, campaign in five years. So I think I, I, I agree with both these as a the real. Um, I wouldn't see an edge, but I think they'll want to go there and do well and I think um I think it'll be I think the games will be pretty decent. storylines will be pretty good. We Anne's been home and he's got a couple of question and answer nights. The whole thing seems uh, kinda geared for plenty of entertainment. So um aye, especially and it t- ties in nicely. Sunday morning Celtic and then you've got the start of the World Cup that night as well. So as much as it feels the landscape's shifting this year, there's still plenty to keep um viewers and um, readers entertained anyway.
2: The, uh, I watched Daniel, that. Daniel hang on go Daniel? Ahead. Hang on There's, I'm just awaiting waiting There's a VAR check On at the moment For A potential red card For youngies Use of the phrase Funky stadium <laughs> <laughs> But you use bad vibe at Yeah hang on. on I'm not wondering it. It's definitely a red card
0: Okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's, uh, no, but I think you, I think you'll change your mind when you Google it after you finish me. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool, so we'll we'll look forward to it. Yeah,
1: I've watched. I, what I was going to say is I've watched a wee bit of um, Everton recently, and if I think when Celtic play Everton out there, I, I think Celtic fully, you know, taking a really strong squad now, really going for it. I think they could really give Everton a, a bit of a dune.
0: Well, I know it's
1: bold, I'm not really bold but one, one
0: thing obviously on with Martin O'Neill's teams that was the kind of the hallmark that Martin O'Neill with pre-Champions League used to play teams like Fulham and QPR Leeds yeah. United and Man United all these cha- testimonial games and that was a marker for Celtic Taking probably to be fair I think Everton will be relatively strong in terms of the World Cup a few players like Anana Cody might not be there as well so uh, but uh, well, I nearly said Richarlison what a boo-boo that would be I think he went <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: uh, so just, there's, there's a few players out so we'll, we'll, maybe there's a chance of kind that signature result
2: I've got to say I think Frank Lampard would be more to worry on than the Sydney Cup <laughs> the that's
1: a fair point that's a very fair point and so, so, Swanee how come you're not on the plane I thought you'd be selected to go out there
2: no make off make, uh, the, uh, the, the outstanding Michael Gannon will be bringing all the coverage for online and for the newspaper, so uh, very very much the man in the role looking forward to hearing from Mick in Australia so help me you know Absolutely brilliant um, well as I say Celtic's
1: next game is at home to Ross County then there's a complete domestic shutdown until the 17th of December when they go to Pataudry. Um but I'm sure guys between now and the end of the Sydney Super Cup we'll get together for another record Celtic podcast and um, Guys, it's always a pleasure. Thanks very much for joining me. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, and as I say, everyone listening, you can find us at record under slash sport on Twitter and at daily record under slash sport on Instagram. Cheers.